Do you recognize that? I'm just playing the instrumental. Released on November 10th, 1975. Patti Smith, with Patti Smith Group, Horses. Her debut, their debut, because you have to remember Patti Smith was a band. It still is a band. And those who made the album with her, some are no longer with us including the photographer, the man who gave us that iconic album cover of Patti Smith dressed in a man's suit. The tie is undone, and she's staring Mr. Robert Maplethorpe, who was the subject of her book, Just Kids. And the one photographer that knew how to capture her in such a way that it reverberated. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. It's a music edition. Horses was produced by John Cale of the Velvet Underground. So think about this. You've got Lou Reed being produced by David Bowie. And you've got John Cale, who was also in the Velvet Underground with Lou Reed, producing Patti Smith. And how that would change everything. I mean... That was really the sound of CBGB's 1975. But, you know, and people often associate Patti Smith as the godmother of punk. And even, you know, someone, her contemporary Iggy Pop said, I don't want to be a punk. I don't want to be a metal. I I just want to be, in terms of the genre, when they put you into a genre box and patty smith is much more than that patty smith spoken word and then sing singing and and art and being political lyrically i mean those op- that opening riff that i played for you it's not well it's piano and i had to leave the lyrics out because then it's copyright where Patti Smith very famously said, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. And then what she did is she took Van Morrison's Gloria and pumped it up, you know, with G, you know, G, yeah, that's, that's Van Morrison. But the opening lyrics of Jesus died, that's all Patti Smith right there. And to see her in concert and to see her do that song, it sounds different live than it would on the album because it reverberates in such a way. You know, artists such as herself, they don't they don't sing the same lyric each time. I've seen her, I think, twice, and she's always done Gloria, and she's done Birdland, Birdland, which is such a meditation lyrically. I mean, and 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 she and it's and it's as if she is flying around and she's painting these lyrics. I mean, um, I can remember some of it off the top of the head uh, where, uh, uh, yeah, let me see. Because it's, it's, such a, it's such a magical song. I mean, this whole album of Horses is just sublime. There really is no other words to describe 
I mean, you know, Michael Stipe of uh, REM said the first time he heard horses, it left him hypnotized. And funnily enough, that's what the Velvet Underground did to its audience and who's producing this album, John Cale, the Velvet Underground. I love what he said about Patti Smith. Oh, my God. So this is what she says. His father died left and left him a little farm in New England. All the long black funeral cars left the scene and the boy was just standing there alone. Look at the shiny red tractor. Him and his daddy used to sit inside and circle the blue fields and grease the night. I mean that right there. And and she and it's this isn't just your this is this is like a movie. This is cinematic. I wouldn't be talking about this if it didn't mean something. And um but really, the Pierre Resistance of of horses is land. Land really is. I mean, her mother loved it. Her mother, the medley, she loved that. Um, if I can recite a little of it. The boy was in the hallway drinking a glass of tea. From the other end of the hallway, a rhythm was generating. Another boy was sliding up the hallway. He merged perfectly with the hallway. He merged perfectly the mirror in the hallway the boy looked at johnny johnny wanted to run but the movie kept moving as planned he was suddenly surrounded by horses horses that's i'm not i can't do it like she can oh my god land of uh, land horses land of a thousand dances lamir lamir Woo! just come on so many people have written about Patty Smith's horses. Um, but I wanted to, there is a rock song that came out in the 2000s by KT Tunstall called Suddenly I See. And the first time I heard it lyrically, I thought, okay, what is she talking about? And then I started to realize as I read the lyrics. Well, her face is a map of the world. It's a map of a world. You can see she's a beautiful girl. She's a beautiful girl. And everything around her is a silver pool of light. The people who surround her feel the benefit of it. It makes you calm. She holds you captivated in her palm. You know what she's talking about? She's talking about Patty Smith's horses. And that album cover. And yes, I, I have evidence to back it up right here. <sighs> Suddenly I See is by Scottish singer K.T. Tunstall from her debut album Eye to the Telescope. It was inspired by New York singer and poet Patti Smith, whose album cover for Horses also inspired Tunstall's album cover for Eye to the Telescope. The song was, okay, yeah. But if you listen to it, I mean, the song itself is a tribute to female power inspired by and about mus uh, American musician, singer, uh, songwriter Patti Smith. Described in the lyrics, Tunsil was inspired to a career in music through looking back at a black and white picture of a woman, admiring her strength and accomplishments. She suddenly realized what she wanted to do with her life. Tunstall stated in an interview that the song was about Robert Maplethorpe's photograph of Patti Smith 
on the cover of Horses, commenting on the song later used in the Devil Wears Prada, said, I don't real I didn't realize the lyrics could fit a chick flick, and it still sounds like I was singing about wanting to be a fucking model. <laughs> yep. Yep. Isn't that magical is that uh we can be inspired by that. And many artists are inspired by Patty Smith. The one person that she's not like Patty Smith, but you can see the the elements of the influence and the seeds of musicianship, and that's and that's PJ Harvey. It does it isn't just that PJ Harvey also has black hair like Patty Smith and has this very haunting hypnotic persona this very kind of quiet concentration and then she sings in all this all this fury comes out and all this energy comes out the same with patty smith and and there has always been this kind of uh pushback of that is that oh it's just a journalistic bullshit oh yeah that you know the darkness and that Patty Smith inspired PJ Harvey. You can see it. It, it. She doesn't have. They don't have to say that she inspired her, but you can just see it. You can just see it. That the beautiful evolution of these artists, even Tori Amos and Tori Amos playing with lyrics, and that's what Patty Smith did. And you think of at that moment in 1975, singing about Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine, and. And you're either fucking with the establishment or you are burning the establishment down. Now, in Patti Smith's case, Patti Smith grew up in religion. And so it wasn't something against Jesus. And this is an interview she did in 2020 or 2020. And I'll play some of it. 1975, I opened the doors of Electric Lady Studio. I walked into Studio A. John Cale, our producer, was at the helm. And Lenny, Richard, Ivan Crowell, and J.D. Doherty were inside the recording room, setting up their equipment. For the next five weeks, we recorded and mixed my first album, Horses. Okay, and we got to pull away because... Here we go. These lines actually when I was 20, probably about 1970. They began as a poem and it was uh, sort of a reaction to organized religion, I think. I was uh, brought up with a very intense um, religious education and I was never able to find uh, Jesus on my own. It was always filtered through religion. So I was reacting to that. But I have a great, great admiration for Jesus. It was just what I was saying in this particular statement was that I wanted to declare my own existence and take my own responsibility for the things that I did wrong and not to think that uh, it was all going to be forgiven. I wanted to really take stock of myself. So it wasn't written without thought. I thought a lot about these things. And the poem evolved in a musical context in a course of a couple of years in working with Lenny Kay and Richard Soule because we did a lot of poetry readings where we would merge my poetry with other songs. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to pull away because we can't play that. That's copyrighted. Um, I will say, and we're going to do a rundown. I just wanted to play that. 
I, I have seen her twice. I would love to see her again. I think she is such an extraordinary performer. I don't think we give her the credit that, I mean, some people do, but I, I still feel that people are like, oh, that's just something from the 70s. You know, even Johnny Rotten, when when they went to play the Roundhouse, and he made fun of her. He made fun of her. But whatever. I mean, come on. Oh, my goodness. It is culturally, historically significant. It really is. It was released today, 47 years ago. Oh, my God. I mean, it it does leave you speechless. It's like, oh, my God. (sighs) Arista Records arranged for Smith to record begin recording horses in august of 1975 smith smith initially suggested that the album should be produced by tom dowd plans were made to book studio time with dowd at the criteria in miami but these were complicated by his relationship with label rival (coughs) atlantic records nevertheless Nonetheless, Smith had a change of heart and said set out to enlist Welsh musician John Cale, formerly of the Velvet Underground, to produce Horses, as she was inspired by the raw sound of his solo albums, such as 1974's Fear. Cale, who had previously seen Smith perform live and was acquainted with her bassist Ivan Kral, accepted. Horses was recorded at Electric Lady Studios in New York City, with Smith retaining the same backing band with whom she performed live. J.D. Doherty on drums, who's still with her today. Lenny Kay on guitar, still with her. Ivan Kral on bass, guitar, and the late Richard Soule on keyboards. Kale uh, recalled that the band initially sounded awful and played out of tune due to their use of damaged instruments, forcing him to produce, procure the band new instruments before work on the album began. The differences between the work ethics of Kale, who was an experienced recording artist, and of Smith, who at that point was primarily a live performer, became apparent early on in recording and was a source of tension between the two artists, who frequently... Okay, that's hearsay, though. The soul... Uh, okay. Yeah, Tom Verlaine was on there from uh, television. Alan Lehner of uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Um, Okay. Kale said in 1996 that Smith initially struck him as someone with an incredibly volatile mouth who could handle any situation, and that as producer on horses, he wanted to capture the energy of her live performances, noting that there was a lot of power in Patti Smith's use of language. In a way, images collided with one another. He described their working relationship during recording as confrontational and a lot of like an immutable force meeting an immovable object. Smith would later attribute much of the tension between herself and Kale to her inexperience with formal studio recording, recalling that she was very, very suspicious, very guarded, and hard to work with, and it made it difficult for him to do some of the things he had to do. She expressed gratitude for Kale's persistence in working with her and her band and found that his production on horses made the most out of their adolescent and honest flaws. Three-chord rock. 
Oh my God, this album, Gloria, part one in Exis Deo, and part two, Gloria Version, Redondo Beach, Birdland, Free Money, Kimberly, Break It Up, which is about Jimi Hendrix, Land, part one, Horses, part two, Land of a Thousand Dances, part three, Lemire Day, Elegy. Oh my goodness. And then in 2005, they put out a live anniversary edition. 30th anniversary where they did the whole album it was called horses horses live gloria redondo beach birdland free money kimberly break it up land elegy my generation which is the hidden track it is a landmark album it is a beautiful album and um with guitar tom verlaine from a television on break it up um Tom Verlaine is still with us. Let me see. Mastered by Bob, Bob Ludwig. Bernie Kirsch from, uh, or no, Alan. Uh, oh, he's no longer with us. A Blue Oyster Cult. Let's see. I want to say his name right. Alan Lanier. Alan Lanier from Blue Oyster Cult. On Ella, this one song, what is it? Elegy. Elegy. So yeah, Horses Horses really is a magical album. And I don't have to tell you that. You can go and you can listen to it. And how it just translates sonically is just fucking phenomenal. And that really is a tribute to Patti Smith. And her band, because the way they do it together, and they still do to this day, it is a magical relationship. Like all relationships, you know, they've had their moments. But um, with with Patty Smith and horses, I mean, come on. It is lyrically this labyrinth of experiences and moments. And she has said that... Um, mm, you know what? I'll play it for you because I she really just did this extraordinary documentary in um 2000 and I believe 18 about you know it was um Stephen Sebring Seb Sebring who had followed her because you know she needed a new photographer and a videographer. Because, you know, Robert Maplethorpe had died and she didn't, I don't blame her. She didn't trust anybody to really try to capture her essence into in these intimate moments of behind backstage and with family and friends and performing. And so Stephen Sebring or Sebring, is it Sebring? Let's see. I mean, I love the documentary. You know, I'm biased in that in that aspect. I know people who love her, and they're like, they couldn't make it through that documentary. They had to skip, and I was like, no. You, um, I mean, she she really is one of the best, and um, I love what she said. She says in it, um, someone said to her once, "How does it feel to be a rock and roll icon?" 
And she says, whenever I hear that, I think of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> That's why I love her. I, you know. <sighs> mm. Yeah. I'm looking for it. I think it's called Dream of Life. I, of course, I, I own it. Um. Even her son, her son, Jackson Smith, who now is her guitar player. Um, her son with uh, the late, um, uh, you know, uh, Fred Sonic Smith. And then her daughter, Jessie Paris Smith, who has played piano with her. Uh, and I'm sure Richard Soul would be proud. And um, that's the beauty of... of Patty Smith and this uh just uh, it's the stuff of legend it really is it really is and um I mean <sighs> dream of life that documentary and you get to see her parents her parents are both gone now uh Beverly Smith and and Grant Smith and you get to see where she really gets her energy and her and her dedication to family and to life and um and also her her beliefs you know they help to inform her in, in being free uh, okay here we go yeah it's a really great documentary. Okay, here we go. I'm looking for it. It's not, oh, because the I turned the thing off. But yeah. Um, Stephen Sebring. Stephen Sebring. I, I said it right. I sometimes you know you kind of second guess yourself on these things. Ah, here we go. All of those. Um, he was the good shepherd. Oh, here we go. We can play some of this. In the early seventies, there was no real place. City for the new guard to experiment. But in 1973, Hilly Crystal opened the doors to CBGB, so poets and musicians finally had a room of their own. Hilly was the good shepherd, and William Burroughs was our guardian angel. William. Oh. I used to wait for him at the lobby of the Chelsea Hotel, and sometimes after he had some drinks at the El Coyote Bar. And I'd straighten his tie and help him get a taxi. And he could tell I had a really big crush on him. And he used to say, my dear, I'm a homosexual. But that didn't really bother me. I just adored him. When Horses was recorded, I owed no small debt to him. For the hero of land was truly a descendant of Johnny and the Wild Boys. William was highly supportive 
and it was an honor to see him sitting at a table close to a stage when we played CBGB's. It was an amplified period of existence with time bleeding through time, a time when all my friends were alive and driven with the collective hope to raise aspects of art, poetry, and rock and roll that had not been raised before. There were no rules, no sudden material expectations, and William generously gave us a nod, often smiling at the notion that he was the spiritual father of another generation of Johnnies. And I, and I had to play that because just to hear her talk about him and it's a magical thing to talk about that album and who really influenced her the late William S. Burroughs here we go from the document don't look back too we have to do things like hail taxis just I used to practice that you know did you ever see don't look back Yes. Steven, you never said don't look back? You know, it's well. I'll see it now. I spent like months just learning to hail a taxi, just the way Bob hails a taxi. Remember that scene? Like, he's trying to hail a taxi like this. (laughs) And of course, nobody's stopping for him. This in his little plaid jumpsuit. It's really nice. You want to give your version? <laughs> and that's where it cuts off. So it's been fun tonight, Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. And to the veterans tomorrow, uh, Veterans Day, thank you. Always thank you. They've seen so much that we won't ever be able to fathom. And they've forgotten so much. And be respectful of that. And um, yeah, yeah. People like to judge, and um, you look at the way the climate is, the political climate, and I understand why people put country before party, especially those who served. Those who served, and they don't take that shit for granted. They served so that we all can be free, and they saw some really murderous shit and in the vein of Patty Smith, I can say that. They saw some very evil shit go down. And this country that we live in is so divided. And those of you, uh, hey, I get it. You want to have a gun? I will say this. Civilians, you should not have an assault rifle. That is for military use only. Because when you're in the military, you are trained to kill. That is a weapon of war. All right? So, yeah. So, back to Patty Smith's horses. We are able to celebrate this because we live in a world of freedom. And I'm sure she would agree with that. I mean, she had come out of the 60s, you know, People were getting drafted left and right, dying in Vietnam. In fact, she said that once. She said that once. Um, I'll quote um, George Rambalopoulos. She was on his show and um, said, this next generation doesn't have a Vietnam. 
So they don't really know in terms of really fighting against something because even the men who went to Vietnam did not want to go to Vietnam. And that was the draft. And musically back then you couldn't say certain things. And so that's why the Beatles had, hey, Bungalow Bill, what did you kill? And that's really about LBJ and probably Robert McNamara. Um, I don't know. And then you have the Pentagon Papers and then you have, um, there's so much to that. And uh, But yeah, out of that came the spoken word artist, Patti Smith, who merged perfectly with Three Chord Rock. And that's why we are celebrating tonight on the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, Music Edition Horses, released on Arista Records 47 years ago on November 10th, 1975. Arista Records, founded by Clive Davis. We all know about Clive Davis and all the other artists. And he did an interview recently where they asked him to pick his favorite artist. And he said he couldn't because it's like his children. He says it's a toss between, it really has to be Patti Smith and Whitney Houston. Because they're both important to him. That says something right there is that you put Patti Smith and Whitney Houston. Patti Smith, the first artist on Arista Records. And then Whitney Houston, the artist on Arista Records that he helped to guide he even guided Patty Smith, He, uh, but he gave her that freedom. And that's what this is all about, freedom, okay? Unpleasant dreams. <laughs> 